You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Father, I just ask that you would uh, find favor to be pleased in speaking through this broken vessel this morning. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would, as a sharp sword cuts through bone and marrow, that you would cut through our hearts today. We push away the distractions that are just contending for our attention today. And I just want to tell you that make the choice to stay at the well with Jesus and drink from the water he has for you today. Every other thing, every other well, every other source of water contending for your attention will leave you thirsty. And so God, we just take a moment to be still before you. We give you permission to move, in Jesus' name. We're in the uh, Beatitude series, and we're calling this teaching series "Get Real." Uh, we're we're living in a time where people want it real now. We're we're not content with fake and artificial. Neither is God. We're to get real. Our vision here at Elevation Community Church is simply this. We want to see real people experience and come to know the real hope of Jesus. We want them to experience real truth and real worship through the word of God, real growth and discipleship. We're gonna connect them to real relationships where once they're connected to Christ, his community, and the cause to make more disciples, we're going to see more and more life change. But it all starts with getting real. Getting real. And uh, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, trying to discover what it means to be a Christian, like literally, not just call ourselves a Christian, wear Christian t-shirts and put bumper stickers on our cars that say God loves you. Jesus was so real when he gave this sermon and this is the heart of the Father is that we would not just act righteous, we would not just act Christian, but we would literally at the very heart have Christ at the center. You see, I think we can all agree online. You might be watching with your family, watching by yourself, listening to the download. You may be here by yourself or with your family. I think that all of us, especially those who call ourselves Christians, would agree that we desire the following things from God. We desire to have access to the kingdom, right? We desire to have salvation. To one day when we leave this earth, we want to be where Jesus is the kingdom of God. Because we know that those who are poor in spirit shall see and be a part of the kingdom of God. We wanna be comforted by God, do we not? I mean, how many people go through life without having a need to be comforted? The Bible says that we're to mourn our sinful state and that is where we will be comforted. How many people long to see God's promises to one day rule and reign on this earth? I mean, we desire that, don't we? But the investment we must pay to be rewarded in that is to be meek, gentle, and humble. We want to have our needs satisfied, do we not? I mean, hello. Welcome to a culture of materialism, possessions, and wealth. Welcome to the religion of prosperity. You name it, you claim it, you get it. But Jesus says, he says, you want to be satisfied? How about hunger and thirst after the things of the kingdom of God? 
How many of us want to be given mercy? I mean, there's not a single soul, especially when we face the king himself in heaven someday. We are going to want to receive mercy, are we not? But the investment, the deposit, the down payment we must pay is to be merciful. You see, we desire all of these things. We want to be in the kingdom of God. We want to be comforted by God. We want to rule and reign in eternity with God. We want to be uh, satisfied in all of our needs, and we want to be shown mercy. And yet, even though that desire is so real in all of us, it is entirely different to live the way Jesus taught and demonstrated in order to receive those rewards. You see, the Beatitudes is all about God rewarding his children for doing the things of the kingdom. You think that's crazy? Look at you, mom and dad, who bribe your kids with incentives to do what you want them to do. Says, happy are those, blessed, satisfied, fortunate, favored are those who do the following. But in order to get those spiritual rewards, you must lay down your physical or fleshly sinful life. You see, it's one thing to believe in Jesus. It really is. You can can be saved by his grace alone. It's one thing to believe and receive his words and actions. It is entirely something else to be like Christ. You see, it's one thing to say that you're living the Christian standard of Christ. And it's one thing to actually hold up all those around us, especially our Christian brothers and sisters, especially the ones we're married to, to hold them up to that same standard of Christ. And yet it is a totally, totally a different story when it comes to being the attitude of Christ. You see, we can believe and have salvation. We can know the word of God and we can accept the grace given to ourselves. But we will miss out on every blessing God has for us if we're not walking in the ways of God, if we're not abiding and staying close to Jesus. That is why I believe the church in America as a whole is stagnant. They're stuck. And some of the stagnant pools smell like nobody's business. Why do you think the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea? It takes from all the other fresh bodies of water and it never gives out anything else. It's filled, but it sure doesn't flow out. And it's stagnant. You see, we have to, we can be filled with God, but we have to learn to grow up in Christ. There is a time to be a spiritual baby when you're born again, because you understand that Jesus died for you and loves you and wants to live through you and in you. But he never ever died on the cross to leave you there. He wants you to grow and look more like him. In Galatians it says, put on the new nature, which is yours when you're born again in Christ, put it on and be renewed as you continue to do two things. This is what growing up in Christ is all about. Number one, you learn to know God, your creator. And secondly, you learn to look more and more like him. That is what it means to grow up, but we cannot grow in the ways of Christ, let alone what Ephesians 4 says, to literally mature into the complete fullness of Jesus. Now that's maturity. We can't do that without living and becoming the attitudes of Christ. And the the beatitude that we're gonna focus on today really gets to the heart of it. Zeke, could you bring up the illustration? But here's the scripture in in, uh, Matthew 5, verse six, I believe. Eight, I was wrong. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Would you read that with me? Ready, go. Blessed are... Let's try it one more time, all together as one. Ready? Blessed are the pure. Amen. Now, before we look 
We're going to look at a couple things. Number one, we're going to look at what it means to see God. Because if we really desire to see God, then the thing that comes before it is truly important. And then we're going to look at a couple ways of what it means to be pure. And then we're going to end with a question and a challenge. But I'd like to um, do a water test with you. I have three choices of water here. I've gotten bottles that are filled with water. And you may recognize the label that's on the bottles. And so what we're going to do is you're going to see uh, the three choices you have. And then you're going to vote accordingly to what bottle you would like to drink the water from. So A right here is Fiji water. Fiji water. The bottle has the label that says Fiji water. B, ice mountain. 100% natural spring water. And then we have glacier smart water. If you drink it, you become wiser, so I hear. And so what one would you like to drink from today? And so let's just take a poll. Fiji water, who would like to drink some of that this morning? Awesome, 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 awesome. What about Ice Mountain? 100%, yeah, the 100% got you, didn't it? Yeah, and what about the smart water? No one wants to be smart? Okay, so that's really good and good job, everybody. But I wanted to let you know, I kind of tricked you a little bit because if you go back to my words, I told you that I had water bottles, but that they were filled with water. I did not tell you what kind of water they were filled with. I went to store and I bought those bottles and the bottles do have that label on it, but I decided to fill the bottles with water. And so I'd like to show you for Fiji water, I decided, you know what? There's ice melting from the roof and all these icicles. So why don't I just take a bucket and just put it underneath the icicles and the water keeps coming in. But what I forgot before it snowed and ice froze over is that there was a bird nest there over the fall and there was a little doo-doo or something uh, on there. And so this is really fresh Fiji water. Um, I mean, it's fresh from the roof. So um, it's, 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 it's wonderful. And uh, those of you who uh, voted for that, would you, anyone like to come up and drink that? Okay, um, no kids. And then uh, for Ice Mountain, um, I decided, you know, what if, like what if all the city water was cut off? And what if we didn't have ice and, ice and all that, but we still have snow? So I went out to the snowbank. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to take this slush and maybe make a slushy. And then once it kind of calms down, I can filter it through and then we'll have fresh water. And this is what it came out to be. I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, it looks like tea and coffee. Would anyone like to try and see if it is? Right? So, I mean, the bottle, it says Ice Mountain, but is it really Ice Mountain 100% spring water? Well, now that you've seen the bottle, I think you're going to think twice. But for the smart water, I decided, you know what? I should be smart. And so what I did is we've been blessed. We've had this for years and I, I, I can't recommend it enough, but it's called reverse osmosis. Anyone has it? Oh, you guys are missing out. Okay, reverse osmosis is this little um, filtering device that goes under your sink and it's got three filters. And so it takes the city water and it filters it through Time and time takes all of the impurities out, not even the impurities, kind of like, uh, you know, um, antibiotics. They take the bad stuff, but they also take the good stuff away too. And so the minerals and everything is extracted into these filters. But then there's this fourth filter that adds all the minerals and all God's goodness into the water. And then you turn on the water spigot and the water comes out and it looks like this. And it is absolutely tasty. I would actually take my reverse osmosis over smart water any day. You see, how you live your life on the outside has no value unless what's on the inside is real. Because what you get on the outside is nothing unless the inside is what the outside says it is. And let me be honest, we in America, 
I would say across the world, but especially in our culture, because this is the culture we know. We, we can do the outside of the bottles very well. We can look like we have it all together and like we're so successful and our marriage is so tight. And our family, man, our kids are amazing. And yet, within the secret place of our homes, we are dysfunctional and broken in every way. You have Photoshop these days. You can edit and tweak anything you want. Have you seen those commercials of like on your, uh, on your screen? You can literally take a picture and you can have like a gut like this and you can like rub it off and then become like 40 pounds lighter? I want that. We have plastic surgery and all kinds of enhancements and, and, and you name it to look like the world wants us to look. You know, Christmas cards, we do more digitally now, but Christmas cards, man, especially when you could put your photo on a Christmas card and send it, man, you wanted to let everyone know that you had the perfect marriage and the perfect family. Do you not? I mean, if you didn't, why are you dressing up and you're all made up and you all look so happy together? I remember taking the pictures uh, uh, for Christmas this year and it was like pulling teeth just to get my six-year-old and my two-year-old to stop hitting each other <laughs> and stop fussing. And mom, and mommy, daddy, dad. And it's like, if you don't smile right now and look at that camera, we're not going to scene 75 and you're not watching Coco Melon for a week. smile and then we post it all over Facebook and everyone's like oh my what incredible family that's when you say have you been to my house right in our culture it's all about the appearance and appearance is good if it's a byproduct of what's coming from inside and before we look at the Bible and say, well, in Jesus' day, he didn't have that. Things are just way worse now. Eh, I don't know about that. Because in Jesus' day, they had something called the Jewish religious system. Now, it was based on biblical principles. But of course, whenever man gets involved, they screw it up. And they took the 613 laws that God gave them and they made a legalistic system out of it that said, if you take these 613 laws and you show everybody that you are holy and righteous, you eat the right things, you say the right things, you memorize the right things, then you will be holy and God will be pleased with you. If you do not adhere to this external law, you will not please God. And they walked around, literally walked around. They knew every family in their district. They would hover and probably peek in your window to make sure that you are following and looking holy based on the laws and the rules. They'd go into your workplace and watch you. And these external laws would either allow them to approve you, give you approval and blessing or they would give you judgment and condemnation. And they had authority according to their legal system to punish you even to the point of death. Can you imagine such pressure to please God, to have to uphold all of those things? And so they developed this Jewish culture of work-based salvation. If I just did enough, if I look the part, if I say the right things and know the Torah and know all the Hebrew, then God will be pleased with me. I believe that part of the problem of the church system, especially in our culture today, is because they too have found themselves stuck in the 613 laws that if they do enough and pray enough and worship enough, and say the right things that God would be pleased with them. And Jesus comes onto the scene and he wrecks the religious leaders to the point where they want to kill him. Three years later, their plan is fulfilled. 
But what they don't know is he willingly laid down his life. But anyways, Jesus comes on the scenes and flips the tables. He even calls the religious uh, leaders vipers and whitewashed tombs. He says, you look pure and clean on the outside. You have the right label. You look the part, but you are nothing but dead bones inside of you. You hypocrites, he says. And can I be honest with you? I won't see the movement of God in my life until I start to understand the hypocritical ways within me are keeping the power of God from moving in my life. And we, guys, so many of you have come from churches where you have been wounded and burnt out and exhausted and hurt because other Christians weren't living the part that they said they were playing. And I get that. I shared with you some of my testimony last week and it's hurtful. The church is doing so much damage to people because they're not allowing the life change of God to work in and through them. They're just the extent external Christian container on the outside with nothing but worldly wicked ways within them. Guys, that needs to stop. That needs to change, and it starts with me, and it starts with you. Do you think that God's blessings is going to be upon you when you have unrepentant sin and unforgiveness and bitterness and jealousy in your life? We're just like these bottles that look great on the outside, but they're filled with crap in the inside. Pastor just said crap. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, before we understand what it means to be pure in heart, we need to understand the reward that should change our pursuits. And it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does it mean to see God? This is so important. Because if you have the wrong definition of seeing God, you're going to be doing the wrong things to, 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 to get there. There's three words in the Greek that actually are for see, S-E-E three words. The first one is to actually just see with your physical eye. To illustrate this, everyone just hold up a hand uh, of different amount of fingers. Different number. So see, I I see two. I, I see three. I see one. I see four. I see two. I'm not gonna go far back because my eyesight is horrible. Four, four, two, two, one. I see with my eye. How many fingers am I holding up? You see it, it's there, you, you, you comprehend it. That's the first C, this is not what Jesus is talking about. The second C is this, you watch and observe. You're seeing and you observe. Right now, you are seeing me on the stage talking about Jesus. You're observing my words and my actions, my illustrations, you're seeing it and you're making observations. That's the second one, and that is not all that Jesus is talking about. The third one is what Jesus is talking about is blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And what this Greek word of see means is to see and to know. I can go and watch a movie and see and make observations, but there is no relationship. There is no personal bond with the people on the screen. However, the person that I'm watching the movie with My wife, I see and I know her. I am in a relationship. We share life together. There is a bond and I know and and, and I trust that person that I see. So Jesus is saying when you're pure in heart, 
you will see God. To see God is to relationally, intimately know God. Isn't that amazing? You can know the creator of the universe who knows you by name. And he wants, he created you for one purpose, to know him. But you can't know a holy, perfect God when you are not holy and perfect. That's why Jesus is saying, I have come to be the sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are pure in heart that comes from the cross, for they will see God. Then and only then we can begin to reflect the pure nature of God. You see, Jesus is not saying that you will know God from a distance. Like you see the number of fingers I have on my hand. Yeah, Jesus is there, that's great. He's a Messiah, he's a cool dude, he's in the scriptures and he's in history. We see him, we know he's there, but do we know him? Do we relate with him? Has he impacted our lives? And see, we can even see and observe. We can come to church, we can observe what's going on. We can even taste and see that God is good. And yet it doesn't go any deeper than that. Jesus is talking about when we connect to the life source of purity, when we drink from the river of life, the water that Jesus offers where we will never thirst again, that is where our hearts become pure. To see God relationally, intimately know God, then and only then we can begin to reflect his pure nature. Let me ask you, do you know God? You've seen him, you've heard about him, you've seen Christian movies, you've seen messages, you've been at worship concerts, you see him. Do you know him? Has your life been changed because of him? That's what it means to see God. We see God right now because we can have a pure heart in Christ and we can know God relationally through his son, Jesus. That is the only way. Your good works will amount to nothing. You cannot earn it. You don't deserve it. It's his grace. And we're gonna see that in just a minute. But do you know him? Have you allowed him to come in? Get to know him. Learn to know him and learn to look more like him. Now, what does it mean? Oh, excuse me, I missed one part. There's also the sea of seeing and knowing God that all of those who have been washed with the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus, who are called the sons and the daughters of the most high God, will when they leave this earthly body, when they take their last breath, will see God face to face. We'll see God just as he is and we will be like him. We cannot experience that here on earth or we'll die. We are literally going to see God in a whole new heavenly supernatural way when we get our spiritual bodies. So we can see and know him in relationship where he dwells within us and moves in and through us and communes with us in every moment of our lives and makes us white as snow. But what we're looking forward to is when this world passes away and everything will be pure because the king, the face of the King Jesus will be known and seen by all. So what does it mean to be pure? This is really important, especially for those who call themselves Christians. You can't be pure unless you know what it means. And so there is two points that I wanna cover in what it means to be pure. Number one is going to be, it's called positional purity. And number two is called practical purity. Positional purity and practical purity. There's two things, and I'm gonna tell you this. One is God's job and one is your job. The first one is God's job. It is positional purity. You see, a pure heart is given to us right now when anybody calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus and receives forgiveness for their sins and receives what the Bible says is a new heart that God will 
take the heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. He can do that, and only he can do that. Trying to change your spouse and your kids, it doesn't work. God does that. God does the changing. God does the heart change. God does the life change. Now get this. This is incredible news. I hope that all of you have heard and received this, but maybe you haven't. The amazing grace for anybody who has received the saving grace of Jesus is when God looks at you. He does not see your baggage, your bumps, and your bruises, your failures, your mistakes, and your wicked ways that you just committed this week. He sees the righteousness and the purity of Christ in you. Guys, that should cause anybody to get on their knees and ask Jesus into their lives. Because when we get to heaven, we have got to account for the sin in your life and my life. Who's gonna come in your defense when you're standing before God Almighty? Your good deeds? Your successes? Your wealth? All the temporal things you've done? Your attendance record in church? How much you gave to the ministry? The only hope you have standing before a holy, mighty judge is his righteous, sacrificial lamb that says, these nail-pierced hands and the nail in my feet paid for my son and my daughter right here. Let them in, Father. They're with me. That's positional purity. There is nothing you can do to earn it. You just receive the free gift of grace, undeserved favor. We put out a cross this October on the side of the parking lot. Take a look at it. This is after a couple of the snow, uh, snow, uh, fall, snowfalls that we had. And uh, it, it's really hard to see it right now. Uh, I should have zoomed in, but you could see about five, I would say about five inches of snow laying on the horizontal beam of the cross. And I just stopped right there in my tracks. And I was just reminded, when we accept what Jesus did on that cross, he cleanses us pure white as snow. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about when we're pure in heart positionally. And in a minute, I'm gonna to get to the practical and I'm gonna tell you guys, you cannot have the practical purity without your position in Christ being pure. That is where you start and that is where you finish as well. Jesus wants to give you the forgiveness that you do not deserve. He wants to wash your, cleans, your, your, your sins as clean and spotless as snow. God's job is to make us pure in our hearts, to give us a new heart. Our job is to live it out. And that leads us to the second form of purity, practical purity. Purity that is within from our position, practiced in our lives. Out of my position of purity in Christ, I then live from a pure heart to the degree of how I abide in him and allow Jesus to make me more like him. Do you mean to say that you're saying, Pastor Phil, that you can control the amount of glory and amount of purity that flows out of you? Absolutely. Because what you allow in ultimately will flow out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What you put in, Jesus says, will ultimately come right back out. Bad company, you consumed with bad company and corruption in the things of this world will corrupt good behavior. It's a kingdom principle. You will reap what you sow. It's the fill and flow principle. I'm not talking about me and progressive. I'm talking about the fill and the flow. 
When you're filled with purity, which comes from your position in Christ, it has to flow somewhere. Are you closing the floodgates and allowing the things of this world and the other things that only temporarily satisfy to fill your life? Or are you flowing out with the things of God? You can be saved by grace and have a pure positional heart and yet be no effectively good to the kingdom of God. You can have a pure heart in Christ, but because you've closed the floodgates and access to him flowing in and through you, you are not effective at all in the kingdom of God. Why do you think churches, so many churches are stagnant? We even feel awkward when we say, we wanna encounter the glory of God. Churches do that? (laughs) That's what God designed. But if we're not allowing the pureness that comes from our identity in Christ to flow in and through our lives and the reverse osmosis effect to be filtered through Jesus and to get the impurities out and remove that which is not pleasing to God, then we will stay stagnant. Our hearts are secured and sealed with Jesus, but that's as far as it gets. The Bible even says that some of us will enter in to heaven, literally escaping the flames. Are you living with the pure heart that you got from Jesus just to have eternal security? Or are you allowing it to change your life? To live the happy, fortunate, blessed life that Jesus offers? Guys, I know, I know, I know it's hard to be pure practically. I get it. It's hard to live out purity when you don't feel pure. It's hard to be pure when the circumstances and the things happening in your life sure don't look pure. It's hard to live out practically when your marriage is not good. It's hard to be pure when your kids are absolutely disobedient. It's hard to be pure when your family seems broken and messed up. It's hard to live out practically when I messed up just this morning and went back on the addiction that I worked so hard to break. It's hard to be pure in a world that is shouting everything worldly in my direction. When you hate what you see, when you look in the mirror, it's hard to be pure when you don't see anything that's pure. It's not easy to be practically pure when my life seems like a carousel and it's just spinning and spinning and with every turn it gets more chaotic, more rigid and more, 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 more of craziness. And it's faster with each turn. It's tough. And friends, it's impossible to practically live out purity if you are not abiding and connected to your positional purity in Christ. Let me say that again for those of you who didn't quite get it. You cannot muster up enough physical, earthly strengths, gifts and talents and money to be anything of spiritual pure value without the work of the cross and Jesus. You have, this is why Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Are you hungry for revival? I know churches are saying, we want revival. Revival is simply spiritual renewal in flames that are already lit no matter how, uh, how strong the flames are burning. I want revival, but do you know the greatest hindrance to revival is Sunday morning Christianity. Hello. We come in, we play the part, we receive the good notes, we come, we bow at the altar, we sing a song, we pray, and we leave, and we just disconnect from Jesus. And we wonder why it's not flowing in and out of us. Guys, we have to radically shift and change our lives if we want Jesus's purity to fill us and flow in and out of us. 
Come, Jesus. Just change us, God. So I want to leave you with a question and a challenge. Please don't disengage. What are you consistently filtering and filling your life with? You may have Christ and you accepted his forgiveness and you know your identity in Christ. And yet you have disconnected from Jesus. You've went your own way and God is saying, come on back, what are you doing? You're filtering with the wrong stuff. Do you think someone wants to drink from something like this in your life? Come on. We have got to get back to the basics of Christianity, which means from the abundance of the heart, it will flow out. But in order to do that, we have to address the sin and the impurities and the bird crap that's coming into our lives and the sludge that we take into our lives. What are you consistently filtering every moment of your life through? It's a good question. Our practical purity is a direct product of the position of our hearts. Have you forgotten your position? Let me say it differently. Our consistent practice of purity is directly related to where our heart is positioned and anchored in each moment. Can we put that quote up, I believe? Our consistent practice of purity is directly related to where our heart is positioned and anchored to. And this comes with integrity. Purity can be related to integrity. What is integrity? A pure heart in practice is all about integrity. This is what integrity is. The consistency of how you live your life when people are watching and when they're not watching. Are you consistent in the practical purity when nobody is watching but what is in front of you on the TV or the computer screen? Do you think and talk and act here at church or with your family right now watching online? Do you act the same way that you do with those at work? Those at the grocery store, those on the road who don't like you. What about those at the bar? What about those you camp out with in the spring and the summer and the fall? What about those friends that you get together and party with? Is there integrity? Is there a consistency of what has filled you flowing in and out of you? This is why Jesus says you can't be of the world. This is why Jesus says you can't love the world. What you love is what you pursue. What you pursue is what you filter everything through. What you love is what you pursue. What you pursue is what will be the filter that everything is filtered through. Are you filtering yourself in the ways of God? knowing him, knowing his word, spending time with him, experiencing God? Or are you filtering things through the temporal things of the world? Jesus says this in 1 John chapter two. He says, do not love this world, nor the things of it. Why? For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the father in you. For the world offers only a craving, for the physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and the pride in our achievements and possessions, these are not of the Father, but are from this world, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. What pleases God? A pure heart, a pure heart, broken yet cleansed, by the grace of God. Galatians 4 verse 9 says this, so now that you know God, or should I say that God knows you, 
Why in the world would you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of the world? And now I want to leave you with a challenge. The question is, what are you filtering your life through in every moment? Do you look like a Christian? Someone who follows God on the outside, but in inside is nothing but sludge, dirt, filth? Or are you allowing Jesus to sanctify you? That is a Christian theological term that basically means him making you look more and more like Jesus in every moment of your life. It is going to be a lifelong journey and a process of looking more and more like Jesus. The challenge is this, guys. If you want to experience the purity flowing in and out of your life, which then will be the reward of everything that Jesus wants to give you, you have to inject Jesus into every area of your life. My dad makes the best turkey in the world. He literally, I would put it to any turkey. He grills it, he bakes it, whatever. But I finally understood the secret. He takes butter, melts it down and puts all this yummy goodness and garlic powder and all this stuff in it. And then he sucks it up with an injector, syringe or whatever it is. And he injects it in the turkey. Every area he can find and it keeps it preserved, Juicy, there is no dry piece of meat in that turkey. Are you injecting Jesus into every area of your life, the areas that people see and the areas that only you see? Guys, this this is real. Because if Jesus doesn't inject well in your life, I'm gonna say this again. If Jesus doesn't inject well in an area in your life, if Jesus does not inject well in an area of your life, perhaps you need to remove that area in your life. Who are you hanging out with? What movies are you watching that Jesus just does not inject well in? What conversations and what websites and what chat rooms and all this stuff are you in that Jesus just doesn't stick well with? When you have a choice, you're either going to filter your life through the ways of the world or you're going to filter yourself through the pureness of Jesus. We have to get real with sin. We have to. Yes, Jesus cleanses us from all sin, but sin will keep you from experiencing the purity of God. And not only will it keep you from experiencing uh, the purity of God, it will keep others in darkness and shackles because you're not living out in purity. Maybe the purity of God that they need to see is in you. And I say this, I say this with so much love and humility because I myself struggle with this day in and day out. It's a struggle, but you know what? I wanna experience more of God's glory in my life. And that means I need to prioritize and get the areas in my life right with Christ. That's why some of my habits are changing. That's why some of the things we watch and put on in our home are changing. That's why I don't go to some places that I used to go to. It's not that I'm trying to push everyone out. It's I know that if I am not connected and abiding with Jesus and trying to inject Jesus in everything, if there's areas that he doesn't inject well, he's not gonna be present there. And so as the band comes up, I, I just want this to be a place where people experience God's glory, but don't leave it here. But you cannot experience God's goodness and purity if you don't get right with your sin. He loves you and accepts you right where you are, but he has enough grace for you to not leave you there. And I'm gonna open this stage. It literally is a physical stage with pallet wood on it. There is nothing holy about it. 
But this is where I come during the week sometimes to pray and to just lay on the stage and pray. It's a place for you to come as a symbol of you coming with your heart, needing forgiveness and purity from Christ. And so I'm gonna open this whole front area. We'll provide prayer after the service, but this is just for you, and I want you to get out of your seats if you need to get right with God. There are some people who have never exchanged their heart of stone for a heart of flesh. And you will forever be guilty of the sin in your life. And you will be held accountable for the sin in your life. Guys, the greatest news beyond the cure for anything, cancer, you name it, is the cure for our sin that we would have to pay with our own lives. And literally live eternity in damnation and separation from God. May that not be so for anyone because the answer and the gift is right in front of your face. Jesus died while you were yet sinners. And all you have to do is receive what he did on the cross. Stop trying anymore. Give up and let God take over. If that's you, come to the altar. Come to the altar. Come and receive the grace and the life that Jesus died to give you. For those of you who are walking as sons and daughters, but you have strayed so far. You have put barriers around this pure fountain in your heart and you've covered it with the things that will never satisfy. You have unforgiveness and hate and bitterness in your heart and it is robbing you of everything. Come to the altar. Even now, just come. Just come and lay it down. Receive what Jesus wants to give you is a pure heart. But we have to be willing to let go of the things we've been holding on for so long. Your marriage broken? Relationships broken? Come. Come receive the forgiveness and the cleansing that Jesus wants to give you. What will you choose this morning? What are you going to filter your life through? And now I leave it to you to respond. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.